Hello, my name is Chris White, and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast, where we are going back in the time machine to April of 1999, bringing you volume two of this month's show, covering everything WCW. Joining me for our first, my first delve into World Championship Wrestling in 1999, we have Billy Johnson. Billy, how are we doing? Uh, good, thanks, Chris. Right, uh, just the two of us this month, just a two-man booth uh, due to unforeseen circumstances. Before I get going with the news, just like to apologise right at the top for the delay getting this show out to you. It's entirely my fault. Uh, yeah, basically work and just life outside of the podcast getting in the way. Um, but it's here now. Uh, Billy's here. He's been very, very good and patient with me in terms of numerous reschedules and and the like but so we would i would do my best to make sure it's a great show for you dear listener uh, life happens chris what can you do life does happen unfortunately life is not just wrestling right so uh, i'm going to quickly run us through our wcw news for the month and then uh, after i've gone through that billy if you want to comment on any of the stories or anything like that if you have anything to say about anything uh, feel free. Okay. So, so to start things off on some truly horrible news um, with the passing of Rick Rude this month. He passed away on the 20th of April after what is being reported as a drug uh, induced, a drug overdose induced heart attack. Uh, Rude had actually been training for an England comeback and had been very unhappy in his role in WCW. He'd even been in touch with the WWF in recent weeks about potentially coming in down the line to work with Steve Austin as the two are old friends. Rude's uh, death was covered as a major story on ESPN, CNN, other major national news outlets. But despite his tragic, untimely death, Rude is likely to just become another statistic and professional wrestling and its drug culture unlikely to change. Continuing the trend of horrible news, we also have Davy Boy Smith and everything that's been going on with him this month. He was hospitalised after continuing crippling back pain. He, st- uh, he started the month still under contract to WCW, but obviously hasn't been used in several months after injuring his back on the trapdoor built for the Warrior. Um, uh, more on that in a second. So reports are that this was certainly a career-ender injury and even possibly life-threatening and in possibly one of the most classless moves in company history. Uh, while Davy Boy Smith was fighting for his life, WCW fired him via FedEx. They used a 90-day injury clause in his contract to justify the move. Still had two years on his deal, and there are talks of a lawsuit. By the end of the month, Davy had been released, by, released from hospital, but by his no means better. Bishop claimed he had no idea that he was hurt as badly as he was when fired him. Pretty heavy stuff to start the news there. Uh, moving into more brighter things, I suppose. This month saw the fourth edition of the Spring Stampede WCW show, and it actually ended up being a good pay-per-view for once. The main event saw Diamond Dallas today become our new WCW World Heavyweight Champion, so more on that in our pay-per-view review. In absence news, Scott Hall is going to be out for another couple of months at least, uh, and when he does return, is likely to only be working five dates a month. Um, this is likely to be controversial in the locker room, as Hall uh, is widely reported to be making a guaranteed seven figures a year. There are plenty of guys on the road every single day who make a fraction of that. To counter this, WCW is planning to do an incentive plan, where what a novel idea this is, 
guys are going to get more money for each house show they work. Genius. Genius. Uh, for long-time listeners of the show, um, if you remember our old MMA 20 years ago uh, volumes, charismatic UFC fighter Tank Abbott looks to be crossing over into the world of professional wrestling. Tank reportedly met with the WWF a few months ago and is said to have told them that he would even be a bigger star than Steve Austin. Well, if that is the case, it will not be for the WWF, as Tank Abbott has signed a WCW contract, and at the moment looks like he will be working with Goldberg at some point down the line. And finally, uh, Monday Night Ratings, news still the same. WCW continuing to pay the price for putting some, out some consistently bad shows. That being said, April was actually one of the better months for Nitro, but despite this... Uh, in terms of the show quality, at least, definitely not the ratings, because despite the improved show quality, the show was blown out of the water in the ratings by Raw every week, as is the norm. Right, Billy, thanks for bearing with me as I went through all of that news there. Um, pick out any of the stories, any comments, and uh, feel free. Okay, uh, so first got the Rick Rude. It's uh, very sad, obviously, you know, Guy was a uh, pretty solid hand back in his day, especially in the 80s. Uh, but obviously, the wrestling lifestyle, which is living life to the access on drugs and everything, has uh, caught up to him. And it is a genuine shame that uh, a guy of his age is uh, leaving us. Uh, it's just... It's a very, very sad news. And uh, so we move on to British Bulldog. The way he got fired was obviously very WCW-esque. Um, doesn't surprise me. Um, obviously, the story is that they fired Steve Austin via FedEx, uh, where he was injured. And it doesn't entirely shock me that a billion-dollar corporation is uh, being as heartless. Uh, as for Tank Abbott coming in, yeah, I can get behind that. That should be quite fun, uh, especially a feud with Bill Goldberg. Uh, he's a very, very charismatic individual. Um, I don't quite know how the matches are going to play out. I hope they, they've decided to uh, not just throw him in there completely untrained. He's going to know what he's doing. <coughs> yeah, I mean, and, uh, uh, yeah. I mean... yeah. Oh, sorry, Billy. I was just going to say, um, having seen a lot of Tank Abbott in the UFC shows I used to do back with Bob and Tom for this yeah. podcast, um, he didn't win all of his fights by any means, but... No, he didn't. <laughs> his fights were probably always the most entertaining on the show. Um, well, yeah, it wasn't... So if that's happening in shoot fighting, then you'd hope that... Uh, He'll be able to work a, a decent match or two in the ring. Obviously, different different games, different professions, but uh, he's charismatic enough to make it work, in my yeah. book. Obviously, he's... like remains to see how it works. But I think Tank Abbott could be a big player for WCW, in my opinion. I, if, if, if he's half as charismatic in professional wrestling, where it's time to script promos and the like, then... Uh, well, we're in for a treat. 
Yeah, he's not exactly on Dan Severin's level, where Dan Severin, you know, was a legit badass, but um, couldn't exactly cut the best promo in the world. Uh, Tank obviously can talk, and he talks a lot of people into his fights in UFC, and maybe he can do the same thing with WCW, who knows? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good comparison to make, obviously, in terms of the background. Uh, but, yeah, as you rightly point out, Tank, far more the charismatic uh, individual. So, with the news out of the way, we have just the one Nitro before we get to our pay-per-view review. The month opens with a new beginning on Nitro. We have a new logo and a new set. We open with a Sting video from the build to Starcade 97 to hype up his return and announcement tonight. We see Goldberg walking backstage using the Lotto drum previously used for Flair. Gene calls him down to the ring. Goldberg yells that since he has lost his belt he has been given a load of crap. He was left off last month's pay-per-view and Flair will try to do it again so he is taking matters into his own hands. Goldberg is going to have his own number drawing and everyone is in it including Flair. Kevin Nash interrupts. He tells Goldberg to back up as he may have something under his shirt. Nash taunts Goldberg about ending the streak and tells him not to worry about an opponent for Sunday as Nash is it. Goldberg calls it a Christmas present for him. Hack defeats Kendall Windham in a Singapore cane match after a weapon-assisted Russian leg sweep. Conan submitted Lismark Jr. after an X-Factor set up the Tequila Sunrise. Nash is walking with Flair and they are laughing together. They shake hands, go their separate ways, Nash turns, and Hogan is right there. Hogan wants to know what that is all about. Nash assures him it is about business and money. Hollywood says, it better be. Gene brings out Flair. Rick talks about Goldberg wanting to be where the champ is now. Nash made a match with Goldberg for Sunday like a man should. As for tonight, Flair is in a good mood and is going to face Hogan tonight for the world title. This brings out a fired up Hulk who says he'd love to beat up Flair right here tonight. They go back and forth until DDP interrupts. He has an idea. Let's make it a three-way dance. Before anything can be made official, Goldberg comes out. He wants in, so he grabs Flair by the shirt, but Rick gets away, but we still have a four-way set for tonight. Scott Steiner defeats Meng after a low blow and a belly-to-belly, and he advances to the final of the US title tournament. After a video recapping Jim Duggan returning from cancer, he defeats Lenny Lane after a knee drop. We have a four-man NWO Battle Royal with Vincent, Brian Adams, Stevie Ray and Horace. Stevie picks up the win after backdropping Horace over the top rope. This lasts over seven minutes. Rey Mysterio and Kidman retain the WCW tag titles after a ref bump saw the horseman run down to interfere, with Malenko hitting a suplex on Saturn, followed by a headbutt from Benoit being enough to get Rey the pin in an excellent match. In our other US tournament semi-final, after Scott Steiner running with a chair. Not clear as to why this means Jericho is disqualified, but there you go, even Tony and Bobby are completely baffled. That's your WCW. Buff Bagwell defeats Bam Bam with the blockbuster after Hack attacks Bam Bam with a Singapore cane. And in the main event, we'll talk about more on the main show, Ric Flair retained the WCW World Heavyweight title against Hogan, DDP and Goldberg after the match was thrown out due to interference from Kevin Nash. Sting repels down from the rafters and points at everybody with his bat. We have Savage talking over a video announcing the main event of Spring Stampede, DDP versus Flair versus Hogan versus Sting, with Savage as the guest referee. And how exciting is this? With Nitro, it's a new era, kind of. We've got a new set and a new logo. So 
that's something, I guess. The show on the fir the first night of the month was built around the return of Sting. He was making his first scheduled appearance in many months uh, on the show, and it was said that he had an announcement. Uh, during the show, our main event was set as a four-way dance between Ric Flair defending his WCW World Heavyweight title against Hulk Hogan, Diamond Dallas Page, and Goldberg. So we get to the match, and it's, as you would expect, it's a Nitro main event. Um, I mean, to be fair, they, they're all working hard, um, uh, but it's just a, a sort of a pedestrian four-way brawl, shall we, shall we say. Uh, and the finish comes when uh, Goldberg hits uh, Paige with a spear. Uh, he follows by standing up, turning, and spearing Flair. And finally, he spears Hogan, who manages to kick out at two. Goldberg then follows with a jackhammer on Hogan and goes for the cover. Nash, who had been on commentary, completely misses his cue to break up the pinfall on Hogan. <laughs> Which forces Hulk to kick out of the jackhammer, which I'm sure Hogan was uh, really upset about. Nash attacks Goldberg and the ref throws the match out. So we have no contest in the main event of Nitro. Who'd have guessed? Suddenly, Sting repels from the ceiling. He points around the arena and then we cut to a video of Randy Savage announcing the ma main event of Spring Stampede, a, a four-way with Flair defending against Hogan, Sting, and DDP, with Savage as the referee. So we had our main event at Nitro, and now we've got our main event of Spring Stampede. Billy, what did you make of the long-awaited return of Sting for him to come in and point at a monitor? Well, they built it up all night. You can say they did that, you know. Um... <laughs> Obviously, trying to keep the viewers hooked throughout the night um, didn't exactly work in the ratings-wise. But then, you know, the Fed is blazing away at the minute. And uh, WCW is going to have to do a lot to get that fan base back. And probably not giving you um, non-contests in the main event would probably be a great idea. Maybe just do it every now and again. But no, that's, uh, you know, it's the WCW way. Um to be fair, Sting coming back, it's its a pretty big deal. You know, the last time he was around is uh, that ill-fated NWO Wolfpack Sting. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that probably wasn't the best use of Steer. Um, but he's you know gone back to being all dark and mysterious. Um, hopefully they can rebuild him. Yeah, I mean, having him back is can only be a good thing. Um, but it wasn't exactly the way that I'd have done it. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> but, I mean, the most important thing, despite the lack of excitement from the segment the return, like you say, we got Sting sporting his black and white crow-inspired get-up. Um, it's not... NWO Wolfpack Sting, which is which is a huge plus, and I mean, will Sting ever be as hot as he was heading into uh, the the match with Hogan a couple of years ago? I I doubt it, but they can certainly get something out of him. So having him back and near the top of the card is definitely a good thing. Um, so. Uh, 
Like, they yeah, might as well we'll see how that works out. Sorry, Chris. I, you know, they might so as well. In the books, we move on to our review of Spring Stampede. Billy, would you kindly kick us off with the results of the show? Yeah, certainly, Chris. Hooven uh, 2, Guerrero defeated uh, Blitzkrieg. Bam Bam Bigelow defeated uh, Hardcore Hack in a hardcore match. Scotty Riggs defeated Mikey Whitwreck. Conan defeated Disco Inferno. Ray Mysterio Jr. beat Billy Kidman to retain the Cruiserweight title. Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko defeated Perry Saturn and Raven. Scott Steiner beat Booker T uh, to win the vacant US title. Goldberg defeated Kevin Nash. And finally, in a four corners match, DDP defeated Ric Flair, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, and Sting for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. And Randy Savage was the special guest referee. Wonderful. Thank you very much. So, what did you make of this show? Uh, I enjoyed this show. Um, it sort of felt like uh, a pay-per-view from 1996. Uh, I'm not exactly going to put it on the level of uh, Great American Bash 96, but, you know, they did a good job here. Everything uh, sort of made sense. Uh, every match from an in-ring point of view was very, very good. It was of a high standard. And uh, it had a, a, a good finish to the pay-per-view overall. Yeah, I think you're right to be positive. I mean, I came into this, yeah, it's my first WCW show of 99. Been on the Fed side of things for three months, and I was dreading it, to be honest. Sit down to watch the pay-per-view, and uh, I mean, my last few run-ins with WCW haven't been too kind to me, and I, uh, I, I, knew, I thought I knew what to expect, and what I expected was, was a bad show. But this was a good show. Um, there was some really good wrestling, um, some varied wrestling as well. There's some like absolutely ridiculous hardcore spots in uh, the second match on the show. We had like crazy high flying between Hoovy and Blitzkrieg, and that's before you even get to the Rey Mysterio match for the Cruiserweight title. Uh, good ending to the show, new champion. And, all in all, and and well, one of my favourite matches in the entire evening was the tag match, and that was just brilliant. I thought, and like, I mean, we'll get into each match individually, but generally speaking, a really really good show, definitely a thumbs up. And uh, if this is what WCW are going to start putting out consistently, then I don't think this will be my uh, me on the WCW side of things will be uh, as rare as it has been up until now. So, let's get our review started, and our opening match sees Hooven to Guerrera taking on Blitzkrieg. They open with hammerlocks before Hoovy gets two with a cradle. We have a lot of awesome, frantically paced mat work, and a very acrobatic sequence leading to a backbreaker from Blitzkrieg for two. Hoovy hits a head scissors, but is caught by a handspring elbow in the corner. Hoovy fights back by ramming him into the turnbuckles and hits a springboard drop kick, which is just excellent. Blitzkrieg bails and Hoobies follows him out with a Tobicon Hilo. Back inside the ring, Hoobie hits a brain buster for two and he hooks him in a bow and arrow, but Blitzkrieg falls on top for two. Blitz comes back with his own tope, but Hoobie drop kicks him in midair and he takes a nasty fall to the floor. Back in the ring, Blitzkrieg reverses a tilt a well and to put Hoobie on the floor again, and this time he flattens him with a springboard moonsault. 
They trade DDT, DDT attempts until Hoovy gets an inverted DDT for two. To the top rope, Blitzkrieg almost pulls off a uh, DDT reversal in midair, but still gets most of it. He misses with a sky twister, and uh, he's rolled up into a small package, which also gets two. Back to the top rope. Uh, Blitzkrieg gets a victory roll from the top, which is another two. They head back up top again, but this time Hoovy spikes him with a Hoovy driver off the top rope for the win. What did you make of our opener? Uh, really generally liked this match, shockingly. Um, I tend to really enjoy Cruiserweight uh, matches, and uh, I was generally kind of excited to see what Blitzkrieg could do uh, on his first pay-per-view, because from what I've seen of him, on TV, and granted, there hasn't been much. Uh, I think he's been on like two nitros before this. So I was genuinely, you know, it, wanting to see what he could uh, pull off here against Hubie. And uh, yeah, I, I, I wasn't disappointed. The crowd were really super into it, um, which is no surprise, really, because most WCW crowds, you know, during the openers are generally quite hot. Um, I have to sort of wonder why they just. Decided to go with Hovey. WCW. Um, and Hovey has faced, <coughs> excuse me, Ray many times before for the cruise. On uh, Nitro. So why not try and... Uh, you know, give us something new for once, WCW, and uh, have Blitzkrieg go over. Maybe it's because of the fact that Blitzkrieg is, uh, you know, hasn't really been wrestling more than, I'd say, about four years at this point. Maybe they just felt like it wasn't time to go with him, but I thought you could have sent a real message here by having uh, him go over. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you say. Um, really enjoyed the match. Uh Crazy offense, both guys just full steam ahead. Um, really cool moves. If you like moves, you'll like this match. Um, oh, yeah. Hot crowd. Um, we'll talk more about it when we get to it. But, I mean, I thought it was really interesting, the sort of crowd reaction that this match got compared to the Mysterio Kidman match. Oh, yes. <laughs> the crowd were completely dead for the majority of it, which was really strange. Because typically a WCW crowd, I mean, you'd expect them to be all about this cruiserweight wrestling because it's one of the highlights of pay-per-views and stuff like that. So, um, but that certainly wasn't an, an issue for this match, and the crowd were very into it. And I agree with what you say about should Blitzkrieg have gone over and potentially moved on to challenging Ray Mysterio for the cruiserweight title. If I was booking it, I'd have done that. But. Who knows? Like, it's WCW. Um, I don't really know what else to say about it. Yeah, not exactly the most forward thinking company. Our second <clears throat> of the evening, and it is a hardcore match between Hack and Bam Bam Bigelow. Both men come out bringing plunder to the ring, brawling on the entranceway until Hack puts Bam Bam on a table in the aisle and hits a somersault sent on off the coach, which was part of the stage, through the table in what was, has to be said, it, I mean, it's just like mental, but it's pretty impressive. Uh, Bigelow then nails Hack with a piece of the broken table and tosses Hack into a cart, hitting him with a crutch as they head to the ring. What follows in the ring is a lot of 1999 classic garbage 
weapons-based brawling. Um, I mean, hack, hack, Sandman. This is this is his match. This is what you're going to get. So we have tables. We've got chairs. We've got brooms, trash cans, and Hack even pulls out a ladder. He hits a somersault sent on off. On, on uh, so, sorry, not off the ladder. Onto the ladder. So he hits the somersault. He lays out Bigelow, puts the ladder on him, then hits the somersault sent on onto the ladder, which is on Bigelow. Pretty mad. Uh, some more weapon spots culminate in a third huge spot of the match, uh, which is Bigelow tipping over a ladder that has Hack on top, which sends him crashing through a table on the floor. We've got more brawling and shooing until Hack misses a guillotine leg drop onto the guard rail, which looks incredibly painful. Uh, Chastity tries to use a fire extinguisher, but Bigelow catches her, takes a fire extinguisher and sprays her with it. Hack takes advantage, coming back with a kendo stick. They head up top, and Bam Bam hits greetings from Asbury Park through the table for free. Billy, what did you make of this hardcore match? Uh, I suppose if you've seen one hardcore match, you've seen them all. Um, no, it, it was generally a lot of fun. You know, that, all the high spots, the crowd seemed to react to them. Um, I've seen a lot of walking brawls before and garbage-style-based wrestling. And uh, this one, it, it delivered. Don't, don't get me wrong, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was good to have this match positioned right after the Cruiserweight title match. But it sort of, at this point, has this sort of match become a parody of itself? Uh, I remember like five years ago uh, watching uh, some ECW, uh, you know, it, it was all new and fresh and now it just seems uh it's it's passed me by it's become stale for me i think um it's a bit of a shame but hey you know the crowds seem to love it um they eat it all up so i'm sure it'll continue to be a big part of the u.s wrestling scene going forward um i've got to say i was I've, I've gone on about this before with Bam Bam Bigelow, and I feel that they've uh, sort of wasting his talents at this point. Um, yeah, the Goldberg feud was... It sucked. Let's, let's put it out there. It, it was terrible. It was no good. But Bam Bam Bigelow is a guy that main evented WrestleMania almost four years ago. Now, he still has some cachet with casuals. You know, they remember him from his WWF run. Why is he not now feuding with Booker T? Why is he stuck in a second-on-the-card hardcore match with... No, thank Sam, man, but he's stuck in there with you. I, I just don't understand why they're doing this with Bam Bam. No, I suppose from uh, Sam Man's perspective, if you're going to be doing this kind of match, you might as well go... From WCW, uh, sorry, from ECW into WCW, and get some get some money doing it. Because <laughs> if you're taking bumps like this all the time, you're not going to be wrestling for too much longer. Because um, there were some horrible bumps in this match, and <laughs> it was entertaining. Um, but there was a lot of sort of weapon shot to weapon shot to weapon shot, which felt very much like filler as they moved towards and set up the next big spot. Um, and, and even the finish was another scary bump from the top rope, really. So we had four here. No, five, I think. Five pretty scary bumps that Sandman took um, in one match, second on the card. It's like, it had nothing happened in hardcore match. It's just crazy. Like, I don't know how his body can, can take it. And 
I mean, if you hire Sandman hack, then this is what you're going to get from him. Like, this is you hire him because you want this on your show. Like, you can't, like, if you have him on your card, this is what you're going to get at best. Like, this is the wrestler he is, which is fine. Completely agree with your assessment of Bam Bam. He's more than this. Um, Sandman could do this match with anyone. Um, anyone. Bam Bam could do so much more. Um, and finally, I know he's. Uh, I know this has been ongoing for quite a while now, but after this very decisive win, you'd hope that Bam Bam would be able to move on and kick his way up the card a bit. But I don't know if it's just too far down the line for him in WCW in terms of are there just too many people ahead of him for the for them ever to use him correctly or put him in a spot where they're going to utilise and maximise his talents and potential? Probably not. No. Maybe the ship has sailed. But even if it has and you're never going to get Bam Bam in pay-per-view main events, you could definitely get Bam, Bam Bam in high positions on the card than this. Uh, yeah. Overall, though, I'd say uh, this match was entertaining for what it was. Um, nothing outstanding. It's a hardcore walking brawl with some big spots. But... For that, so that type, type of match, match, it was okay. Next up, we have Scotty Riggs taking on Mikey Whitbrick. Uh, we're underway, and Riggs toys with him to open before hitting a slam and drop toe hold. Mikey fights back with some punches in the corner, a back elbow, and a clothesline. Mikey hits a drop kick, and Riggs bails, so Mikey follows and hammers one on the floor. Mikey sends him into the railings before hitting a baseball slide and a slingshot Harukamana to the floor. Whitbrook goes for a slingshot leg drop on the apron, but Riggs knocks him off and into the railings. Riggs hits a double X handle back inside, off the top for two, and the crowd begin responding with fairly loud, boring chants as Riggs works him over. Mikey fights his way back and hits a drop kick before getting two of the Harukamana. But Riggs gets his as Riggs gets his foot on the ropes. Finally, Riggs recovers and ends the match by hitting a flying forearm. Billy, what did you make of this? <laughs> uh, I could say it's a waste of seven minutes, but that would be unfair to Mikey and Scotty. You know, <laughs> they they both tried. Um, unfortunately, the crowd just wasn't with them. You know, they decided to say boring. It was a bit of a shame. You know, it wasn't boring. It was dull more than anything. Um, I I can't look at it from this point of view. You know, at least Mikey's getting a WCW payday now. You know, he's generally making some good money for WCW, so good on him for that. Um, I have to wonder why they decided to uh, send over Scotty. Um, I know he's been in WCW for what seems like a good five years now, uh, but they've tried him as a. Uh, mid-card hill and a baby face before and nothing's really stuck and it seems like they're getting behind him again which is really bizarre and odd um why not try something new uh like we said with blitzkrieg earlier you know why not try something new send someone new over but i would assume mikey at this point is just an underneath guy that's going to be losing all the time um but no uh, for the match itself it's very skippable. Um, it's only seven minutes. Yeah, I mean, if you want 
if you're WCW and you want a guy to go in there and give you a good match, well, a decent match, and 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 just lose, I suppose Mikey Whitrick's their guy now, isn't he? Like, uh, yeah, he's expendable to them, I guess, which is a shame. Uh, but uh, this is if if they're going to use him in that role, this is what they're going to get. They're going to get uh, fairly. Com- well, a competent but not exciting professional wrestling match, <laughs> and it was only seven minutes. But this did really felt feel like a bit of a drag to me, and and I was kind of surprised, but also I did understand the live crowd's reception to it. I mean, we'd had the Hoovy and Blitzkrieg to open, which was just frantic. Then we had the hardcore match, and then we're into this. And I think match placement was a bit off here because. They had the two sort of, well, the athletic match, the hardcore match, and then we went into the dull match. And it, I think it kind of cut the momentum of the crowd and cut the energy out of the room a little bit too much. I get the idea of having a calling off match just so, what, I, I don't know, so the crowd doesn't burn all their energy out early on. But, I mean... When you see the next match, um, <laughs> he's hardly like we had a barn burner lined up. So uh, this is one of those things where I look at wrestling pay-per-view lineups sometimes. And I'm just like, that doesn't need to be on the card. Like, you don't lose anything if that match just doesn't happen. Like, it just doesn't happen. And you can redistribute those seven minutes across the card if you want. Just give every other yeah. match an extra minute. I'm sure that won't hurt them. Not, this isn't to say that this was a horrible match or even brought the show down in terms of overall quality or enjoyment. It was dull, but it was inoffensive. But it, it definitely killed the crowd a bit and turned the crowd slightly against the show, which was unfortunate because we'd had a decent enough start to the pay-per-view. So this match probably got a harsher reception than it deserved, but I wasn't too surprised. So we move on to Conan taking on Disco Inferno in that barnstormer of a match that I mentioned we had lined up next. Conan calls Disco a scrub before the match, so Disco attacks from behind early and stumps away in the corner following with a rolling clothesline. Conan comes back with Bulldog and a basement dropkick before Conan charges in the corner, but gets hit by the elbow as Di- and Disco follows by hammering to the back of the head. Conan runs the ropes and takes Disco down with an arm drag. Disco comes back with a back elbow and he hits a snap there before locking on a, chip lock, a chin lock. Conan starts the fight out, so Disco hits a swinging neck breaker to regain control for two. Back to a chin lock goes Disco, but Conan fights out again. Disco blocks the hip toss attempt with a clothesline before going to the second rope and, and hitting a front elbow, which gets two. Another chin lock by Disco again, and Conan fights out, but this time does hit a hip toss. He charges, but Disco moves and dumps him to the floor. Disco follows and goes for a bulldog, but Conan blocks and shoves Disco into the post. Back inside, Disco misses a second rope elbow drop. Clothesline by Conan, and he hits a cradle DDT for two. Disco comes back with a swinging neck breaker for another two count, and they trade counters until eventually Conan's able to hit Disco's own finisher on him for the pin. Billy, what did you make of this? (laughs) 
Right, okay, so where did we begin? Uh, this feud was a comedy feud, basically. Uh, they're feuding over disco parodying Conan's music video. So, 100% comedy. Now, I expected, obviously, to get a comedy match. Oh, how wrong was I? These two decided <laughs> to uh, go uh, in a serious manner and give us a serious uh, match, and it just did not work. Uh, the crowd just didn't seem to care. I didn't care. And someone in the back should really be telling Conan and Disco, probably don't go out there and have a serious match. You know, maybe go out there, lads, and... Uh, do a bit of comedy, considering this feud is comedy, but for whatever reason, they gave us a serious match, and this is why this match sucked. <laughs> I mean, I agree with everything you just said, but I'll go one further. This go match on. sucked, because it like, not because it was serious, but because of th it was booked. Like, <laughs> comedy, serious, no matter what, it was going to suck. Um, I was going to say, though, I do think the last minute or two was probably better than I expected to see from the pair of, the, pair of them in there. But, yeah, this, was, this wasn't a great match. Probably the low point of the show uh, in terms of work rate. And uh, we're two in a row for not ideal, uh, <laughs> not very good matches. Uh, basically, uh, right in the middle of this show. Next up, we've got a match that is sure to have been highly anticipated by our, by our very own Dan Welling, as we have a cruiserweight title match with Rey Mysterio Jr. defending against Billy Kidman. Obviously, these two also the tag team champions. So we have a feeling out process to start. Ray hitting a tilt-a-well head scissors. A slingshot head scissors by Kidman before he backdrops Ray to the floor. Uh, a slingshot Pescado to the floor by Kidman and until he gets reversed into the railings on the outside. He blocks a move attempt from Ray and drops him onto the railings uh, before Kidman hits a slingshot leg drop on using the railings uh, and he rolls Ray back into the ring and gets two. He locks on a chidlock, uh, but Ray fights out. Ray hits a head scissors and send Kid sends Kidman to the floor, who goes for a moonsault off the apron, but Kidman catches him. Ray escapes and shoves Kidman into the railings. Ray then uses the railings to hit a head scissors on the floor to Kidman. Back in the ring again, Ray hits a springboard seated senton for two. Ray looks for a hurricane rana, but it's blocked by Kidman, and he hits a powerbomb again for two. Back suplex, backbreaker by Kidman, and he sends Ray to the mat for a two. Kidman sends Ray to the floor and hits a shooting star press off the apron. Uh, Kidman tries to come off the top, but Ray catches him with a drop kick. He puts Kidman on the top rope and hits a bulldog off the top for two. Kidman then backdrops his way out of a pile driver. Ray fights out the chin lock, clotheslines Billy to the floor and hits uh, another springboard somersault sent on to the outside. Back inside, we have some chin locks as the two men rest deservedly before Ray hits an X Factor for two. Kidman comes back with a sit out pedigree. Kidman goes up top, but Ray follows. But Kidman counters with a sunset fit powerbomb off the top, but still only gets two. Ray then puts Kidman up top and hits, hits wheelbarrow bulldog 
but again, but only gets two. Ray follows up with another two count after a standing mood tool. Kidman counters with a powerbomb before heading up top. Ray crotches him following with a Frankensteiner off the top, uh, which is enough for the three. Uh, what did you make of our Cruiserweight title match? Oh, Chris, I've got to say, this was uh, really good stuff. Um, yeah, great, in fact. Um, it's just a shame that no one in the crowd really seemed to give a shit. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what it was with the crowd. Obviously, they suffered through two very bad matches previously. Um, maybe that had brought them down too much so they couldn't come back up again, you know. Everything was crisp, clean, perfect. That's what you want to see from these two guys. Um, the only really thing I could possibly say is, you know, maybe the fact that Rey Mysterio lost his mask has probably taken away a little bit from his appeal, his factor, maybe, appeal factor. Um, it, it is a genuine shame that these two went out there and really busted their ass and they really wanted to put on a good match and unfortunately the crowd just didn't seem to, to care. There was no reaction from them whatsoever. You know, a lot of people, especially on the internet and the forums, are praising Mysterio and Kidman, saying, uh, you know, they're, they're the next big stars of the company. Um, I certainly would not agree with that, watching back this match. Yeah, they're probably over with the hardcore fans, but for your casual viewer, obviously not as much over as the hardcore fans think. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's quite a sad indictment, really, of yeah how over these guys are. Um, yeah, the crowd is so dead for this. Um, I think if if you're being like lenient and and looking to sort of not make excuses but find reasons for this that aren't to blame for the two in the ring because you can't fault the the in ring work. Like you say, it was great and in front of a better crowd, not even a better crowd, but just a a hot crowd. This this would have been sensational. It would have been something special. Um, but maybe it's because we've seen better matches between the two on Nitro. I, I don't know what it was, but something about this match did not click with the live crowd. And I don't, I don't know who to blame for that really, or if it's just sort of a combination of a few minor unfortunate aspects, who knows? But um, yeah, uh, really good match. And if you watch wrestling for moves, for high-flying action, athleticism, this is for you. Um, and like I say, in front of a really hot crowd, could have been special. Uh, so we move on to a tag team match with uh, Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko taking on Raven and Perry Saturn. Uh, the flock pull out loads of cool double team moves to Benoit to start. Uh, so we get like a total elimination, a gore buster splash combo, plenty more. Really great tag team work to kick off the match. Benoit eventually fights his way back and hits a drop kick to send Raven outside, where he's beaten down on the floor. Arn Anderson's been uh, arguing and berating fans the whole time. A small package by Raven gets one, with the rest distracted. We get back suplex by Benoit, which gets two. A short-time clothesline by Benoit gets two. And the crowd's chanting, horsemen suck. Raven fights and manages to get a hot tag to Saturn, who cleans house. He hits a T-bone suplex to Malenko, 
uh, and hit some punches in the corner to Benoit. Malenko drop kicks Satin into a German suplex from Benoit. Raven and Benoit tumble to the floor, which allows Malenko to hit a Tiger driver on Satin. He locks in the Texas Clover Leap, but Satin gets to the ropes. A DVD by Satin gets two as Benoit breaks up the pin with a diving headbutt, which was awesome. Malenko rolls into the cover for two. Attacked Benoit and he chops away at Satin. A backbreaker by Benoit gets two. He stomps uh, on Satin's legs in the corner before tagging Malenko. A drop tile hole, baseball slide combo by the Horseman gets another two count. A snap made by Malenko before he locks on a chin lock. Satin breaks out of it with a back suplex before tagging Raven. Raven cleans house and clotheslines Malenko to the floor. Arn throws a chair into the ring, but Raven sets it up. Raven hits a drop toe hole onto the chair to Benoit, and Satin pulls Malenko on a table, uh, onto a table on the floor. He goes up for a splash, but Anderson rolls Malenko out of the way and sends Satin crashing through the table. Raven hits the even flow DDT to Malenko and covers, but Arn puts a chair on his head and distracts the referee. This allows Benoit to hit diving headbutt off the top onto the chair and Malenko rolls into the cover for free. What did you make of this tag? I really like this match. Um, no surprise, really. It was really well worked. It was, you could say, it was it was a solid match. Um, you, you look at the horsemen, I think them going over was the right decision. Um, you know, they seemed to be over, which, which really helped. Uh, the crowd was really into this. Um, they must really enjoy their plunder, was what I wrote down here. Because um, there, there seemed to be an awful lot of it, but there was a, a lot of high spots. It never made, I was never bored throughout the entire match. I enjoyed everything that they did. It's just, I'm, I'm finding hard on <laughs> other words to, to praise this match, because it was really, really good. And if you uh, didn't watch this pay-per-view, and you're sitting on the fence about buying uh, the VHS, then definitely go out and buy the VHS to, to, to go and see this match because it's uh, well worth the price of admission. Yeah, this was chaotic, energetic, and super fun to watch. Um, just really good tag team wrestling. Uh, Raven and Saturn look really good, loads of potential. Um, they probably could have done, WCW could have done a lot more with them as a team, uh, especially last year. And this match showed how good they were. And obviously, Benoit and Malenko, we know how good they are in the ring. We know the clinic they can put on as heels, just dominating, controlling the match. Uh, it wasn't a shock. This match was as good as it is. And uh, just the finish was innovative with Arn sort of sneaky, putting the chair there before the headbutt. And, yeah, this was great. Um, my favourite match on the show to this point and uh, really, really good tag team contest. Next up, we have the culmination of the tournament to find our new United States champion as we have Scott Steiner taking on Booker T. Scott walks around the ring drawing cheap heat before we start. Finally, he gets in the ring and is yet immediately hit by a drop kick. An arm drag by Booker and Steiner bails. Eventually, they fight their way back inside, and Steiner hammers away on Booker in the corner. A flying forearm by Booker, and he hits a short arm side kick. He dumps Steiner to the floor and follows with an axe handle off the apron. Back in the ring, Steiner with a clothesline. 
and uh, followed by an elbow drop. Steiner hammers away in the corner and he chokes Booker with his boot. A backbreaker by Steiner gets two before a belly-to-belly suplex also gets a two. Steiner goes low before grabbing a bear hug. He hits an overhead belly-to-belly suplex, but Booker is able to counter and escape and hits a DDT. Booker fires away with right hands, but Steiner goes to rake the eyes to stop him. A knee to the gut from Booker who fights back before he follows it with a spin kick. He cleans house and he goes to leap at Steiner, but Steiner pulls the ref in the way. Ref's down, and but so after Booker hits a scissor kick, he hits a flapjack and a Harlem side kick. He looks for the cover, but we have no ref. Ref's up and Scott recovers before Scott deliberately KOs the ref again and hits a top right runner. He gets two. Scott then pulls a foreign object out of his trunks and he hits Booker with it during a suplex, which is enough for him to get the pin and become our United States champion. What did you make of this final tournament, Billy? Uh, again, <laughs> it was um, a, a really good match. Um, I'm going to probably sound like a bit of a broken record, keep saying, yeah, this was... Uh, a really good match, but no, it was well worked. Um, nothing was sloppy. There wasn't a lot of stalling, and uh, I've seen the Scott Steiner matches I've seen this year. There seemed to be an awful lot of stalling. There's, there's nothing wrong with that because obviously Scotty can't do what he did in 1991 anymore. You know, he's not that performer anymore. He's uh, completely different now. There was uh, a lot of back and forth. Uh, I was with them on uh, every near fall. Uh, I've got I've just got to say, like Scott Steiner is an incredibly entertaining character. Um, there's a lot going on with Scott. I can see a big future for Scott, uh, hopefully in WCW. Hopefully they get it right and you know don't drop the ball because they're, they're really onto something here. Um, now he's on his own. Uh, it was, it's about time that he's uh, stepped up from the TV title picture to the US title picture. I know there isn't really a clear definition between the two. Titles, really, uh, you know, the US title, TV title and Cruiserweight title, pretty much the same title. But no, I, I think they made the right decision. I'm all for Booker T, obviously, going over. I, I feel that he's a, a, a guy that they should really get behind. But I don't think he lost anything here losing to Scott Steiner. In fact, I think he probably came out more over because of the loss. Yeah, and there's a difference between just beating someone and beating someone in the way they beat Booker here with Scott obviously going after the ref a couple of times and using the object to eventually get the pin. And uh, that screams rematch territory to me. And I think you'll have an even more heated rematch with Steiner, hopefully even more heel heat and Booker uh, moreover as sort of this uh, underdog trying to overcome the odds and overcome... Steiner cheating and stuff like that. Like it's a, it's an easy story to tell. Um, so I, I hope they revisit this because yeah, I don't think they did book her too much harm here, but that will all depend for me on what they do next and how they capitalize on this and how they push forward because, uh, yeah, if they don't do anything with this and, they're with Booker and, and with Scott and we don't get this match run again at pay-per-view, then it will be a waste in my book. But yeah, this was a 
a really solid match. I enjoyed Steiner. He was so entertaining, as you said. And and Booker T, good energy throughout our match. Uh, he was just a, a it was just a, a good fun watch, and uh, I really did enjoy it. So we move on to our co-main event of the evening with Kevin Nash taking on Goldberg. With Goldberg obviously looking for revenge for the streak being ended. So we start with some knees in the corner by Nash as he hammers away at Goldberg. He chokes Goldberg with his boot and goes goes low when Elizabeth distracts the ref. Nash hits a clothesline and gets two before he follows with another sidewalk. Uh, sorry, follows with a sidewalk slam, which gets another two. So more choking Goldberg in the ropes uh, before Goldberg ducks a big boot attempt and hits a leaping shoulder block. A single underhook suplex by Goldberg and he hits a super kick. Goldberg then lines up a spear. He goes for it, but Nash genuinely leapfrogs him <laughs> and he spears the ref. It was pretty unbelievable, but Nash actually did clear Goldberg on the leapfrog. It was really impressive. I didn't expect that he would pull it off. So with the ref down, Luger nails Goldberg in the back with a chair, and Nash goes for the jackknife powerbomb, but Goldberg goes low. Goldberg follows this with a vicious spear on Nash, and he hits a jackhammer for the pin. What did you make of this? It was, uh, again, another really good match. Uh, it was well worked. Um... I, you, yeah, I could sit here and I could complain about the, the terrible ref bump, but it helps prolong the match. And Goldberg, from what we've seen, doesn't can't really go uh, for long periods of time. He's obviously not going to have a fifteen minute classic. The Goldberg character sort of works well in short matches. Uh, yeah, I could complain about the shit chair shot from Lex Luger to, to Goldberg. It looked terrible. Um, Lex, you should really sort that out, mate. Um, but, and I think it went a long way into re be, uh, rebuilding Bill Goldberg as well, you know. Uh, they've obviously sort of done him dirty since Starcade. For, you know, I can see the fact that Kevin Nash was incredibly over in the run-up to Starcade, but I still didn't see the point in uh, Goldberg losing that match. I think they've, uh, you know, done good by him. And, um, by having him go over here, Kevin Nash, okay, he's not as over as he once was, let's say, five months ago. But this has done a lot for Bill Goldberg. And, you know, kicking on going forward, you would think that maybe Goldberg uh, would possibly be the number one contender. But, that, you know, that's not going to happen. Uh, getting to TV later on. Uh Oh, like yourself, Chris, I was generally surprised that Kevin Nash, the man that does like five moves with the uh, hair curl being one move, uh, generally got, was able to do a leapfrog. Quite surprised. Yeah, there's not too much to say about this match. It wasn't the longest. I mean, God, no. matches aren't and should never be the longest. But uh, yeah, he came in, beat Nash up, overcome the odds. Uh, overcome interference from Luger, and he got his win back. I mean, looking at this from sort of a neutral perspective going in, the main criteria is Goldberg wins clean, or as clean as can be in WCW. Just Goldberg gets his win back, Nash lays down, Goldberg goes over. If that's what you want from this, that's what you got. This was, yeah, um, actually quite good, and I was impressed with how it turned out. 
so with that we have got to our main event of the evening so with uh, savage as our guest ref we have rick flair defending his wcw world heavyweight title against uh diamond dallas page sting and hollywood hulk hogan the match is underway and everyone brawls to start with hogan and flair fighting on the floor with and uh, page and sting in the ring Sting looks for the deathlock, but DDP is able to get to the ropes. Page hits a knee to the gut before uh, a swinging neck break he gets two. He looks for a diamond cutter, but Sting's able to block before hitting the clothesline. Sting hits a flying clothesline off the top, and a stinger splash gets one as Flair breaks up the pin. A slapmare to Sting, and Flair goes up. But Sting uh, and Flair goes up top before Sting tosses him off. I'm sorry. Rory, if you're listening, you're going to need to do some editing there. He was listening. A snapmare to Sting, and Flair goes up to the top rope, but Sting throws him off the top. Hogan hammers away on Flair as Sting and Paige brawl outside. A backdrop to Flair, and Hogan cleans house. A corner clothesline from Hogan, uh, but Flair comes back with a poke to the eye. We get chops by Flair. But Hogan hogs up. We get the right hands and he hits the boot. A leg drop by Hogan follows and we get only two as Sting breaks up the pin. Flair clips at the leg of Hogan before locking on the figure four. Hogan's able to turn it over and Paige breaks it up by stomping on Hogan's bad knee. DDP hits a clothesline on Flair to the floor before putting a figure four on the post on Hogan. Sting breaks it up and Hogan bails to the floor and trainers come out to check on him. Hogan seems to have legitimately hurt his leg because he's carried to the back. In the ring, Sting hip tosses Flair and hits a drop kick and punches in the corner by Sting follow as Paige looks on. Sting blocks an atomic drop attempt and clotheslines Flair. Flair follows with chops, but Sting sends him into the corner. A clothesline... Uh, by Page to Sting gets two, and a slam by Page uh, follows, and he hits an elbow drop for another two count. Flair breaks the eyes of Page, but Page comes back with a clothesline for another two count. Uh, DDP and Sting uh, trade counters until Sting hits a bulldog. Sting goes for the tombstone, but Page is able to counter for one of his own, which only gets two because Flair makes the save. Back suplex by Flair gets two. He has a sleeper on Sting, but DDP comes in and grabs a sleeper on Flair as well. Uh, DDP and Flair double-team Sting, who no-sells their offense, before a double-leaping clothesline by Sting takes out both men. A bulldog to DDP by Sting before he follows with the Stinger splash on Flair. DDT, DDP then breaks up the Scorpion Deathlock to Flair, before Page goes for a suplex, but Sting counters into the Scorpion Death Drop for two, as Flair is able to pull him off the cover. Knees to the groin by Flair, and he grabs the figure four. Sting rolls through the ropes to break, but Stavage kicks Sting's arm off the rope. He pulls Flair to the middle of the ring and goes for the flying elbow drop to Flair. Randy Savage! He's double-crossed Rick Flair! He nails Flair with the sky elbow! He has double-crossed the president of WCW. Oh, 
What's he going to do here? Counting. Well, he's doing a 10 count. He didn't try to check with Flair whether he... I don't understand what happened here. Did he help Sting or hurt Flair or hurt... I... Randy Savage got physically involved in this one. We've got all the combatants rising back up now, and this match goes on. Flair's back up incredibly. There it is! Oh. Diamond Cutter by Page! He's one, two, three! Oh, we've got a new world champion, guys! Page jumps away on Sting before hitting a Diamond Cutter to Ric Flair for the free. Your winner and the new WCW World Heavyweight Champion, Diamond Dallas Page. Billy, what do you make of the match and what do you make of DDP World Champion? Right, so the match itself, I really enjoyed it up until the, you know, the toss-off spot. I was a bit, you know, annoyed about that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. Yep. Yeah, no, okay, just make it serious now. Right, okay. So, no, this, this batch was generally a lot of fun, and I expected it to be terrible. I thought there would be so much going on that I would just be confused as to what, 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 why are they doing this? They're all fighting with one another. It's all over the place. But, no, it, it seemed to have a pretty solid direction. Once Hogan was gone, you know, that helped. They... they it was a, a hot final stretch, which was really a, a good thing for DDP because he needed to look great going forward. Um, no, to, to, be, to be fair, you know, him winning the belt, DDP, yeah, that's a, it's a great choice. It's someone different. It's someone fresh. It's something different. I get that. But the guy is like in his 40s now. And I think a lot of WCW fans probably know that, you know, he's an old man. And does it send another message to the crowd that WCW is full of uh, dinosaurs and they are the top guys, unfortunately? I don't know if that, will, if that is sending a good message to, to the crowd. But, you know, if it's a short regain, which it sort of was, it's, it's going to be... It's good for DDP because uh, the way he's got himself over in the last three years, it's, it's really worked. So, you know, good on WCW for doing something different, I suppose. Oh, yeah, I'm noticing a theme with your uh, opinions on WCW. Change, different, that's what you like. Yeah, this, yes. match, was, this match was really good. Um, surprisingly so. I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Um as I said earlier, I'm not the most uh, experienced in terms of WCW coverage on this show. Every time I watch a WCW pay-per-view, the main event is horrible. I was expecting some horrible work in this one, and it was actually quite good. Um, the, the crowd were really hot. Um, yeah, I really did enjoy it. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know much else to say and it's hard to comment too much here on DDP as the champion because we're going to be talking about him a bit more uh, later in the month but um, yeah a really good match um, definitely a surprise winner for me looking at it um, I did not expect um, 
page to be leaving with the belt here. Um, I mean, we know Hogan's uh, looking to be out for some time with a knee injury and has to have surgery and the like. So aside from that, I'd have said Paige would have been the least likely um, to walk away the winner here, but he left with the belt. So credit to him. Um, although it did feel like the win fell a bit flat in terms of the crowd, who the crowd were pretty hot and really into this match, particularly in the first half. And it did seem to no desire a bit post Hogan being taken to the back. Um, and I don't know, I didn't really get the impression that they were too enamoured with the finish. But, but I mean, <laughs> you can't knock uh, the work rate that the four guys had in this match. And considering the age of the four guys, uh, I think they uh, they delivered here. Um, so for once, uh, a bit of praise for me for a WCW pay-per-view main event. So uh, that will bring to a close our review of Spring Stampede. So overall thoughts on the show and a score rating out of 10. Uh, definitely go and watch this show. It was a lot of fun. Everything in the ring was was really solid, great stuff. Um, if I was to give it a rating, I would go 8 out of 10. Yeah, I mean, echo everything you say. I think um, I'm going to go slightly lower than you. Just, just It was a good show, but, um, I mean, my highlights were probably the tag match. Um, I think an 8 out of 10 for me is a really exceptional show. Um, five, five is obviously around average, and I, I think this is a decent to good show. So for me, a seven out of ten. Before the opening sequence, we see Scott Steiner attacking Paige backstage while shouting that he is going to be champion. Sting comes out for a promo. He says that a lot of wrestlers have heart, but none of them are Sting. He built WCW, he's been here since day one, and he wants some of Paige tonight. Rey Mysterio retains a cruiserweight title against Hoovy after the Horsemen ran in for the DQ. They destroyed Rey until Raven and Saturn made the save. The announcers talk about Bret Hart quitting last month, and we see clips of him on an NBC talk show. Bam Bam defeats Hugh Morris after a top rope headbutt in a right mess of a match. DDP cuts a promo. Either he's dreaming, or he really did win the title last night. Paige tells Hogan, sorry about the leg, but Jim gets on him for not being serious. The champ corrects him because he would have loved Hogan to be in the ring for the win. <laughs> yeah, right, that's going to happen. As for Sting, he deserves a title shot, but first up is Scott Steiner. He promises to show Steiner size doesn't matter, even though Steiner has heard that before. Gene brings out Ric Flair, who says he is going to hold up the title. Savage interrupts and insists Paige is still champion. Flair says Savage is never going to wrestle again. Savage says he wants to wrestle and has an idea. At Slamboree, it'll be Robinson versus Gorgeous George, do not adjust your set, for Savage's career. Robinson agrees, and Flair says Charles will win with the figure four. Sting comes out and says that since Diamond Dallas Trash is ducking him, how about Sting versus Flair tonight? Arn Anderson accepts on Rick's behalf. Leparka and Al Dandy versus the Master Blasters ends when Kevin Nash comes out to beat up everybody. He says he has a title shot for Slamboree, and Paige will pay the price for what he did to Hogan, Wolfpack style. 
Kidman beats Psychosis in a great match with the shooting star. Gene brings out Goldberg. Bill says he is waiting for Brett to come back. Oakland brings up Luger and Goldberg is ready to knock his face off. Finally, he commends Paige on his title win but says it doesn't make Paige immune to Goldberg. He's coming for the title and nobody can stop him. Booker retains the TV title against Rick Steiner after interference from Stevie Ray. Goldberg beats Kenny Chaos after a spear and jackhammer, of course. Sting defeats Ric Flair in a fantastic match after a Scorpion death drop. Classic Flair Sting stuff here and it got plenty of time. In our main event, DDP retains the WCW title against Steiner thanks to a chair shot from Kimberly. The third Nitro of the month on the 19th opens with an excellent Dean Malenko Chris Benoit vs Scott and Steve Armstrong match with Dean picks up the submission victory with the Cloverleaf. DDP is out with Gene. He talks about Goldberg and says he needs to be focused like DDP is. Goldberg is out, wants a match tonight, and Paige agrees. Psychosis beats Blitzkrieg, Hooventude and Ray to win Ray's Cruiserweight title after a guillotine leg drop in an awesome match. In a segment we'll talk about more on the main show, Roddy Piper confronted Ric Flair, designated him insane, because he can do that, and he set a match at the pay-per-view where the company itself will be up for grabs. Brian Nobbs defeats Hack in a Singapore Kane vs Trash Can match, exactly the sort of match you think it was. Nobbs defeats Disco before being confronted by Steiner. Kidman vs Raven gets thrown out after Benoit and Malenko attack and Ray makes the save. Scott Steiner retained the US title against Scott Norton. Kevin Nash beat Ric Flair after Gorgeous George counted the pin because Charles Robinson refused to do so. After the match, Doctors in White run down with a gurney and cart Ric Flair out of the arena. Piper follows along taunting Flair before we see Rick being taken to a mental hospital. In our main event, DDP and Goldberg went to a typical no contest in a match that saw Paige officially turn heel. He used brass knuckles and a chair while taunting the crowd until Nash made the save. And the final nighter of the month begins with Piper bragging about being in charge and reinstating Savage as an active wrestler. He books Savage vs Steiner for the US title, as well as DDP defending his world belt against Sting at the top of the hour. Beats Brian Adams via DQ after Vincent and the NWO attack. Steve and Scott Armstrong, them again, defeat Raven in a 2-on-1 handicap match. We'll discuss this more on the main show, but through Nitro we have plenty of skits of Flair at the mental hospital. Flair is screaming at patients, dancing around, basically being crazy. During one segment, we see that Scott Hall has been committed to the same place as Flair, and I'm not going to touch that one with a barge pole. Sting defeats DDP for the WCW World Heavyweight title in a great match after he turned a diamond cutter attempt into the death drop. The crowd popped big for the title change, and you really need to check out this match. It was excellent. Rey Mysterio defeats Psychosis to regain the WCW Cruiserweight title that he lost last week. And Malenko cut short Rey's celebration in the beatdown. Bam Bam defeats Eric Watts in a squash. Sting accepts a challenge from Nash to defend the title tonight. Booker retains his TV title versus Meng after interference from Stevie Ray. Brian Nobbs defeats Hack, Horace and Mikey Whitbrick in a four-way dance in which each man had a Singapore cane. Scott Steiner retains for WCW US belt versus Savage by DQ after Charles Robinson called for the belt early and then failed. And in our main event, DDP regained the WCW World Heavyweight title in the same night he lost it in a four corners match in the end against Kevin Nash, Goldberg and the defending Sting. Page got the win thanks to the assist from Randy Savage. Ric Flair is still here. I know, he is disrupting the entire ward. He thinks this is a high dollar hotel. What are we going to do about it? I don't know. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do about it. 
attention, gentlemen. There will be no nitro tonight. Nope. I'm sorry. I don't want to hear anything else about it. We will no nitro tonight. I'm sorry. Guess what? I'm sorry. No. Here it comes. Here it comes. Oh, what's that? What's that? So before we wrap up the show for the month, we have a couple of things to discuss from the TVs. So, Billy, first off, I would like to talk to you yes. about Ric Flair. Okay. So on the 12th of April edition of Nitro, Flair fired up about losing the title the night before. On the show, he was... Uh, uh, yeah, he was Ric Flair. And he had an absolutely awesome match with Sting. I mean, we've seen Flair v Sting plenty of times. You know what you're going to get when you have Flair v Sting, but it was very, very good. The following week, however, is when things started to get interesting. Following week, Ric Flair was talking to Mean Gene when he was interrupted by Roddy Piper. Piper called Flair the Dennis Rodman of WCW before declaring that Ric Flair is insane and unfit to be the president of WCW. Flair is dancing around, throwing his shoes into the crowd, and says that he's the president of the United States. Piper has papers that Rick has signed uh, in the past uh, where he's made mistakes on matches and the like, and he's signed papers without looking at them. He has declared Rick Flair insane and uh, has noticed that Rick Flair is out of office pending a review of his competence. Piper also notes that Flair signed himself in a match versus Nash for later tonight. So not only has Ric Flair been declared insane, but he's insane but allowed to wrestle on national television. Flair then booked himself versus Piper for the WCW presidency at Slamboree, and if Piper loses, he's fired. So later in the show, Flair is defeated by uh, Kevin Nash. Before people in white coats come in and they take Flair out on a stretcher with Piper talking trash. Further to this, this isn't it. There's more. The final <laughs> Nitro of the month. We see plenty of Ric Flair throughout the show as he is in a mental hospital. Yes, seriously. As a little side note, because it wasn't mentioned really, while he's in the mental hospital, who does he encounter but Scott Hall? Billy, what did you make of everything Ric Flair? Oh god! Um, at least they're not 
having him being beaten up uh, by the NWO and then put on the back of a turnip truck and making his way back to the arena half dead, looking half drunk. Oh, God. Um, yeah. Uh, Flair has gone insane. Now, Flair's always been a bit, you know, unhinged uh, on his promos, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but this is a strange uh, plot twist for his character. Uh I'm not sure if I'm quite on board with it all. Um, <laughs> I, this is obviously all leading to some sort of bizarre match with Roddy Piper. Um, maybe, that, I don't know, maybe they have a, a, an insane asylum match. Oh, there you go, that's a novel thinking. Scott Hall could be special guest referee. There we go, we got that. Um, to be fair, like I said, at least... Flair's not losing week in, week out to the NWO. It's, it's something different. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, and it's definitely not good. But I guess they're just sort of throwing shit at the wall now and see if it sticks. And uh, I don't know if it's this is going to stick. But some of it has been uh, very funny. <laughs> Let's put it like that. Yeah, it's just so strange. I mean... The whole thing's a bit of a mess, even by WCW standards. Like, we have Arn Anderson and, and Bobby Heenan. They're making it clear that, look, Flair taking off his clothes, spending a fortune, dancing around, that's just Ric Flair being Ric Flair. That's very true. We've seen him do that for years. Yeah, he's been a bit out there, I suppose, in his role as president, like signing papers without looking at them. But to go from that to having him committed to an insane asylum is, is a huge leap in logic. Um, uh, and I feel like it, they kind of went from zero to a hundred really quickly. You probably could have got Piper versus Flair for the control books without doing any of that. Like, okay, they're trying stuff, but I don't know that you always deserve credit just for trying crazy stuff. Like I don't think, I don't think it makes the most sense. It's not... What Flair's done isn't really grounds for being institutionalised on, on by that third nitro of the month. Um, yeah, it's just weird to have an angle where Ric Flair is put into a mental hospital. I just... I don't, get it it just that sounds like a bad idea in execution it wasn't as bad or as tasteless as maybe that sounds uh but it was weird i don't know whether i would say i enjoyed it any of it really some of the uh segments and uh, the more comedic aspects of flair in the in the hospital on the last uh show of the month especially the uh scott hall cameo that was uh rather enjoyable but in terms of like storyline, I found it more of a mess and more confusing than enjoyable. Oh, 
Randy Savage prevented Goldberg from winning the world title. But it's no disqualification, so Savage can do this. Sting, though, is still down on the jackhammer. Goldberg, thanks to Savage, just tossed something in the page. He tossed the nuts to Page. Page nails. Oh, a diamond Nash. cutter on Nash. And a diamond cutter. One, two. Oh, my God. Page is a world champ again. Finally, before we close the show for the month, we do need to talk about the WCW title on the final Nitro of the month. So, Piper's there, and he makes DDP versus Sting for the belt at 9pm sharp, much to Paige's displeasure. So, we get Paige versus Sting, and the finish is Sting block a diamond cutter out of the corner before hitting a scorpion death drop, which is enough for the free. And we have a new WCW World Heavyweight Champion, Sting. A couple of weeks after returning, he is the champion. This was an excellent main event style match, and the crowd were very, very much into Sting. And it felt like, much like me and you discussed earlier, Billy, yeah. they were making the most of having Sting back as that acquisition at the top of their card. But... This is WCW, and we do not end things there. <laughs> Nash is not happy about his Slamboree match having been changed as a result of this, so demands a four-way match tonight. Sting accepts this challenge, so we have Sting defending the belt on the same night that he won it. In a four-corners four corners match versus Diamond Dallas Page, Kevin Nash, and Goldberg. So we have the four corners match and the finish saw Savage throw Paige some knuckles, which he then used to knock out Nash before hitting a diamond cutter to regain his title on the same night. He lost it. Paige then ran through the crowd to end the show. Billy, what did you make of all of this? Oh, God. Um, I get that WCW are trying to boost their ratings, and they want people to stay and watch their shows. Now, you've, offered, you've given them a great world title match. Yeah, I, I probably got as high on it as uh, you, Chris. I, I didn't think it was, like, the greatest thing I've ever, ever, ever seen on uh, wrestling television. Yeah, it was good. Don't get me wrong. Um, the crowd really ate it up. And for it to be a top-of-an-hour main event, you know... Yeah, they did a clean title change for once. So it was shocking, you know. You don't normally see that on WCW. But then they had to go into overkill and book the Fatal 4-Way uh, or the Four Corners match, whatever they called it in WCW, I forget. Um, and to, to be fair, why are they throwing away, like, let's say three, four weeks' worth of TV... On one episode, it's it's because it's overkill, and they desperately want to win the top of the hour ratings. They desperately want to beat WWF in the Monday Night War, whatever we're calling it now. Um, and unfortunately, throwing all your top matches away last year hurt them in the long run, and they're pretty much doing it again. And they don't seem to be learning from the mistakes that they made last year. Yeah, it's difficult because I, I definitely agree with everything you say about 
sort of the mistakes of last year and throwing away your big matches. But in a way, I mean, I don't want to excuse this because in essence, this is bad booking and bad storytelling. It's a bait and switch. It's illogical. You've made Sting look like an idiot. Um, so the baby face wins the title clean and then just puts it up in a four way when he doesn't even have to be pinned. And the guy that challenged him is pinned and he loses his belt. And it's just the baby face looks stupid. And I'm not sure that's what you want to be doing in any context. You never want to be undermining your baby face. But to me, at the close of this show, bearing in mind how good Sting versus Diamond Dallas Page was earlier in the night, and with Page now heated up, you'd hope through what they did with him on this night, him dropping the belt and then winning it back the way he did with with um, Savage throwing him some knuckles and him cheating to win the belt back in that way. I left this month of WCW really looking forward to a Sting versus Page match on pay-per-view. So if that's where they're going, which obviously it looks like they are, like based on the storylines here... If we're going to end up with Diamond Dallas Page versus Sting in the main event the next pay-per-view, I will be buying that pay-per-view. Like, I want to see that match again, and I want to see that then go out for the title again, and potentially Sting win the belt again. So, even though this was bad, it kind of worked in the sense that, on paper, if you'd have just said to me before this Nitro, oh, they're going to do Page versus Sting at the next pay-per-view okay yeah i look forward to that but now i'm really excited for it so in essence this show long storyline and, and arc of of what they did with the belt paid dividends at least with me because i think that match is hotter now than it was before they had it which is an odd concept and definitely not something that will apply to this moving forward or in any other context necessarily but on this one occasion, it was like lightning struck and it worked. And it's bad. It's bad practice. It's a bad habit. But I'm now looking forward to this match more than I was before this Nitro. So if that's the way they're going, sign me up. So that will just about do it for this month's WCW show. And I'd like to say a huge thanks to Billy Johnson for joining me. Billy, no, thanks. no worries, Chris. Always a pleasure to talk wrestling. So, Billy, you are on Twitter or anything else to plug? Anything of the like? Uh, yeah, I'm on the Twitter. Um, it's Billy underscore J83, I think. Yeah, yeah. You'll find me on there. I'm the New Japan fan. That's really annoying. <laughs> uh, uh, plugging wise, I have nothing to plug anymore. Apart from listen to this damn podcast and go to Patreon and pay the five bucks a month and get all the extra bonus content because you're going to love it. Wonderful. Yeah. Doing my job for me. So uh, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Thank you very I didn't much. Mean to see you. Again, apologies to you, dear listener, for the week long delay to this show. Uh, entirely my fault. So any anger at me, definitely not any of the guests, so especially Rory and. Uh, Chris Lacey and the like, who uh, always run 
their volumes perfectly efficiently and I am the uh, liability but I assure you it's it's work related and <laughs> it's not just me being a lazy sod um, aside from that though um, thank you very much for listening uh, and of course uh, just to uh, uh, you've probably listened to them both by now but for your April editions of the show we do have WWF in volume one with the second rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin match and obviously volume three ECW wrapping things up nicely of course, uh, Billy alluded to it there, but we are on Patreon, and if you do want to say a, fe- a kind thank you to all of us involved in the show, you can do so there. And for five bucks a month, you can get yourself some nice, tasty bonus out-of-timeline content. So we review loads of different things, often topical, um, but out-of-timeline, and we'll take requests, and we'll watch shows or review stuff that isn't even necessarily a pay-per-view or a match. If it's wrestling related and you want to see it, pay that five bucks, drop us a line and we'll see what we can do. Um, so yeah, patreon.com slash wrestling20yrs, I believe. Um, you can check us out on there if you'd like to say thanks and you'd like to see more of us. But uh, for now, uh, I've been Chris White. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, goodbye. goodbye.